So yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a little bit since we've last met. Can everyone hear me? Do you guys want me to use this? A little louder. Okay, I'll use this. Because of Brock, we I'm using this. But now you can really hear me. Now you can really hear. But you're in the front. You know, Brock is in the back. He needs. Yeah. So, so what? It's been six months since we last met. That's crazy. You know, life has been super crazy. Um, and I miss y'all. I miss y'all. Every single one of you. Except for one. But you'll have to guess who. Um, close, but not, no. Um, Con- Con- Connor has a funny uh, camp story. You got to ask him about it later. Um, where's Connor? Did he, did he go home? <laughs> Um, all right, so for the next three to four weeks, we're going to be talking and digging into the book of Psalms. And this book of Psalms is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, a little background about the Psalms, it's, it's Israel's favorite hymns, poems, and prayers. It's like our, who's like a Spotify top ten? That you just repeat? It's kind of, it's kind of like the book of, it's kind of like the book of Psalms in a way. Yeah. No, you don't believe me? Okay, that's okay. Um, so, <laughs> all right, all right. So, the book of Psalms is my favorite book because it allows us and gives us permission to be, gives us permission to talk to God, it gives us permission to be angry at God, it gives us permission to be sad at God, it gives us language to do these things. Um, so, the Psalms show us that our Father knows us even through our deepest, darkest parts, um, even through the extreme sadness or the grieving. But also, there are psalms that give thanks, and we're going to be digging into these types of psalms. We're going to be learning from the psalms. Um, so we'll see through the series these real and raw psalms, and they eventually bring worship and praise. That's the cool part. They're, they're really like, God, why have you forsaken me? But at the end, they're like, rejoice. Um, so we'll see that rhythm. And really, it's being honest with God. You know, we're being honest with God. So let me pray for us as we dig into Psalm 73 today. All right, God, you are good. Uh, we pray that you can um, speak through me. I pray that we can see your goodness and your love and your faithfulness. That we can see your cross and how important it is and how it changes everything. Um, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So my question to you guys, do you doubt God's goodness? Do you feel like obedience to God is just not paying off? It's not worth it. Do you know people who are doing whatever they want and it's working out for them? If so, yeah, me too. You're in the boat with me. Um, you fail to see our, your final destiny as God's children when we do this. You know, we fail to see that. Why? Sin, right? Because sin causes us to forget, to forget our destiny. So this week, we'll, we'll be going through Psalm 73. And if you have your phone, you can take it out to Psalm 73. I know. I know some of you guys will not be on Psalm 73. And then I'll call you, I'll call you out. Um, but for now, you can take out your phones if you have the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm sad by that. You, Kendall uses you version. It's awesome. You got a little group chat going, right? That's awesome. 
This this talk is brought to you by Uversion, the the Bible app that can have. And you have all of your friends on there too. Yeah. All right. So Psalm seventy three. All right. This is by a man named Asaph, and Asaph is having this crisis of doubt. Asaph in his psalm is a story of a long despairing search. He's on a search that has been rewarded greatly, you'll see at the end. And before we read this, we must remind ourselves, hey, we're reading God's word. And that's kind of cool because there's language of doubt. There's, Asaph is doubting God. He's showing his jealousy and his anger. And this is God's word. And we can use this language to pray to God. It's kind of, so the Bible teaches us how to deal with our doubt. And God is teaching us how to deal with our doubt. So I'm going to read you guys Psalm 73, and it's going to feel long. And just hang in there. Get the seatbelt on. We're going. All right? And I'm going to pronounce some things wrong, and it's going to be okay. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are impure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped, and I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and they speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. And their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All the day long I've been plagued. I have been punished every morning. Are you with me? If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept by terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was brute beast before you, yet I'm always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. Best for me, it is good to be near God. I made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Amen. Amen. I told you it was long. I told you. Um, but it's, it, it was, it's good. Um, my question for you right now, think about this. Are you doubting? Are you doubting God? Um, verse 1 says, Surely God is good to Israel and those who are pure in heart. But then he's like, he switches up. That's for me, my feet had almost slipped and I nearly lost my foothold. And what he's talking about here, his foothold, he's not talking about just walking down the street. Oh, lost my foothold. Now he's talking about a climb, right? When you climb a mountain or you, you hike up a mountain, 
you worried about where your feet are because you might fall to the bottom, right? So he's like, I nearly slipped. So he's climbing up the mountain. And it goes on to say, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He professes faith and then questions if he actually believes this. Are you, are you at a place like a soft where you're questioning if God is good? Is God really good to me? Um, some of you guys know this story. Um, but my freshman and sophomore year in high school were some of the roughest years. You know, high school's scary. Who's a freshman? Is it, it's kind of scary, right? First year? Okay. You guys are all lying. I, I was scared. Um, starting high school was a scary, well, at least a scary experience for me. And it felt even more imbalanced because my seventh grade year, like towards the end, my dad passed away. Um, and so I was like, I don't even have my dad going into high school. And my brother was sick with leukemia at that time, which if you don't know is a form of cancer. So my mom was in and out of the hospital constantly. So there was no one really at home to take. Jason, how was your day at school? Um, I didn't have that. And that made me unbalanced. Like a soft, I felt like I lost my foothold. I felt a little shaken. It was hard, it was rough. It seemed like I had no base. And halfway through my freshman year, my brother passed away. Um, I'm like, God, if you're real, you must not be good. Why would you let this happen? You've taken away my brother, you've taken away my father, and now you're leaving me somehow to deal with high school? I not only doubted, I was, I was angry. Are you doubting? Are you questioning? How are you handling it? 13 and 14 says, Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. All the day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. A soft sees the unbelievers living life, and it looks like they are pretty satisfied. They have no struggles. They have, no, they have money and power. They have no worries in the world. Do you know people, do you know people who have everything? You like look at them, you're like, they have everything. They have the relationship. They have, they're good at sports. They have the grades. They have a lot of money. Do you know people who party and drink and smoke, and it seems like they're living life and they're having a great time? It seems like they are satisfied. This is what a sophist feeling. It's like saying, I've been so obedient, but it seems like everyone else is satisfied. This is, a, this is a real and true experience for him. This really happened. And maybe it's real and true for you. These experiences play in our doubts. You know, we see things happen and they play in our doubts. Tim Mackey, he, he's, a, he's a pastor and professor. Mikey talks about read scripture. Tim Mackey's that guy who does all those videos uh, a lot. But he says we, we're, not, we're not brains on a stick. And what he means by that, we bring our life experiences when we doubt. We ju- we're not just in our minds, you know, like, oh, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that fact. But there's experiences that we have. Maybe we see, you know, maybe we see a family relative pass away, or we see a father abandoned, or we see parents divorced, and we're like, God, how can you be real? I believe in Jesus. I believe that you're good, like on paper, but my experiences make me question. Because crisis of doubt causes us to question everything we know. It's important to note as well, yes, there is a heart part. There's, a, there's also a mind part. You know, faith is, not, faith is not the opposite of reason. I'm about to do a terrible analogy, and some of you guys heard this already, but we're just going to go with it. We're going to pretend like it's good, okay? So imagine you're jumping over a bench, all right, and you're blindfolded, and say the bench is over here, right? But I'm like jumping in this way because I don't know where the bench is even, 
you know, that's why we sometimes when we think that faith is like that, you're jumping blindly over the bench. But really, what faith is is you you don't have a blindfold. You have you know we have actually historical facts that Jesus was on the earth, and we have eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And it's not just me jumping over the bench; it's someone carrying me over the bench. You know, Jesus carries you over the bench, essentially. Faith is actually a gift. So if you're doubting right now, know that Jesus is carrying, carrying you from your doubt. So what do you do when you doubt? So we all doubt at some point, but what do we do? Um, Asaph says here, verse 16, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Till I entered the sanctuary... And what is the sanctuary he's talking about? It's the temple in Jerusalem. And this, this temple is it's kind of like church, but it's a little bit different. It's not just Sunday mornings at 1030. It's every day. The temple is always happening. Um, and there's singing, there's classes, there's people, and there's prayer. And Asal puts himself into a community of faith. So he's like, I'm doubting, and I'm angry, and I'm jealous, and I'm going to go to the temple. I'm going to go to my community. Now, the temple is filled with believers. So how do you handle your doubts? Are you going to church? Are you listening to the sermon? In just a moment, we're about to do small groups. Are you going to be engaged in your small groups? Are you going to bring your doubts up in this group? These leaders love you, and they want to hear from you. And they wouldn't be here if if they weren't. They're, They're trustworthy leaders. You can trust them. Um, so talk to them. Be honest with them. If you don't believe in Jesus, tell them that. They want to hear it. They want you to be honest and real with them. And if you have questions right now, who are you asking? Because I guarantee someone is asking that exact same question. And if they're not, let's, let's find out together. Are you, you can come talk to Mikey, Sarah, or I, or any of these leaders here tonight. We would love to sit with you in your doubts. Put yourself into a faith community if you're doubting. And we all doubt. So what do you do when you, when you doubt? You bring your doubts to the church, the community of faith. Here's my last question. Do you believe that Jesus loves you even when you doubt? Do you believe that Jesus loves you even when you doubt? We have all doubts. We all have questions. And Jesus invites us to live out our questions. He wants us to bring our questions to him. And ultimately, doubt is a tool that grows us and shapes us. I think about me in high school. I'm like, I would never want to go through that. But I'm so thankful that I'd have because God sat with me in my doubt. He sat with me when I was grieving. He was with me, and that grew me. That grew me. That brought me closer to him. Jude 122 says, And have mercy on those who doubt. The cross will make all things right. So all your doubts, your worries, bring it to Jesus. Psalm 73 is God's word and invites us to doubt. Teaches us to engage with our doubts. Why? Why would the God of the universe allow us to doubt? He's so powerful. You know, I, I feel like if I, was, if I was God, I would be like, how dare you question me? You know who I am? But he's like, no, bring your doubts to me. And why would he do such a thing? Why would he have mercy on us? Like Jude 122 says, because of the cross. The cross will make all things right. Because he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And if you're sitting with jealousy and anger, or you're sitting with shame and sadness, bring it to Jesus. He's listening, and he has listened before you even spoke. He loves the doubter. 
He holds your right hand. Verse 24 goes on to say, You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you'll take me into glory, up the mountain into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. Here's the big idea. Jesus carries you up the mountain. Jesus carries you through your doubt. Um, Jesus laid his life down for you. He loves you. Um, bring it to Jesus. Your Father loves you. Um, amen. Let's pray as the band comes up. God, you are so good. You are in control. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of the lords. We thank you that you let us doubt. We thank you that you are a good father. We thank you that you love us. And we pray that um, you be with these small groups as they meet. In Jesus' name, amen.